If you enjoy Champions for Children, be sure to check out the new podcast from Nemours Children's Health, Well Beyond Medicine. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts or at NemoursWellBeyond.org to continue hearing the stories of anything and everything related to the 80% of child health impacts that occur outside the doctor's office. And now, the episode of Champions for Children you requested. Enjoy! Hi, everyone, and thanks for stopping by the Nemours Champions for Children podcast, a top 25 children's health podcast as determined by Feedspot. I'm Carol Vassar, and this is a COVID-19 update for January 28th, 2021. The topic is quite timely. We're talking about COVID-19 and its effects on pregnancy, as well as the safety of the COVID-19 vaccine for pregnant women. Timely for two reasons. First, a study from Washington State released just yesterday in the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology indicates that pregnant women with COVID-19 appear to be at a much higher risk for serious illness and hospitalization. And second, earlier this week, the World Health Organization advised against pregnant women taking the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine. To help us sort all of this out, host Dr. Jay Greenspan talks with Dr. Lindsay Maggio, maternal fetal medicine specialist at the Nemours Center for Fetal Care in Orlando. As always, though, let's begin with a COVID-19 situational update from Dr. Greenspan, who is the incident commander for the Nemours response to the COVID-19 pandemic. So welcome, everybody, to this podcast on 127-2021. And as of today, we are starting to see a nice trend down in COVID cases throughout the country, a little bit better in the northern part of the country, but we are seeing some movement in Florida and Texas, not so much in California. And some of the reason behind that are these new variants that you've heard a lot about from the UK and South Africa. They've actually probably been here for a long time, a couple of months. We're just really starting to sequence a lot of the uh, viruses from back in December into January, and we're seeing uh, more and more of it, but it, it's probably been around. But what we know about it is that it's more contagious. And so that may be the resistance we're seeing in California. The good news just came out is that both of the current vaccines Pfizer and Moderna are effective against these two uh, new variants, but there may be others. And as, as the virus is still heavily present around uh, our regions, uh, the virus will tend to mutate more often. So our goal is to get rid of the virus before it has a chance to, to screw up our vaccines. Although I am told that these companies are also looking at Uh, new vaccine boosters that may be working against some of the new variants that are coming down. The bad news then is, so the good news is that the vaccines do work against all the variants that we've seen so far. The bad news is because they're so contagious, we know that we need to get more people immunized to reach herd immunity. So whereas Dr. Fauci was saying initially we need 50%, that number really has gone up to 70%. So we need to get more people vaccinated quickly, especially because we don't want the virus to be hanging around doing its nasty things like mutating. And finally, I think we're seeing a good good news is that hesitancy has gone down. I think what's happening is the people that are vaccinated are showing that not only are they doing well with the vaccine, but they're sort of feeling this freedom 
uh, that's sort of getting contagious, and we're hoping that others will catch on. And so the vaccine hesitancy will continue, hopefully, to go down, and that will allow us more and more to get vaccinated and hopefully in time for a great summer. That's our hope, and that is my situational update. My guest today, really, you know, Carol and I were noodling on what questions are we getting from the community and from our Nemours associates. And I have to say, overwhelmingly, I am an neonatologist, and so that might be part of it, but overwhelmingly, I get asked from pregnant women about what people thinking about getting pregnant, the impact of the, va- of the vaccine, the impact of the virus itself, breastfeeding and all that. And so we wanted to go to an expert. We've, we have found a great expert. Dr. Lindsay Maggio is one of our maternal fetal medicine specialists at the Nemours Center for Fetal Care in Orlando. So a maternal fetal medicine specialist is an OBGYN that, that further specializes in maternal fetal medicine, which is really high risk uh, moms. Before we get going on those all these questions, Lindsay, tell us a little bit about your Nemours story, about yourself. Just introduce yourself to all of uh, our Nemours listeners. Sure. Thanks so much for having me here. This is a great opportunity to talk about it, especially because there's been a lot of press uh, in the last couple of days, especially with COVID and the vaccine and pregnant women. So I I originally hail from New Jersey where I went to medical school and then did my OBGYN residency at Baylor in Houston, Texas, and then went back way up north to Brown in Providence, Rhode Island to do my fellowship um, and then trickled on down to Florida after that because snow is just not for me. So I've, um, you know, worked in Florida since I finished fellowship with a a brief break back up north and um, came to Nemours this past October and really excited to be here and help build and develop and grow their fetal program here in Orlando. And, you know, COVID-19 is is relatively new virus. Actually, in the very beginning, we were thinking maybe it's changing the way preterm prematurity is happening and all that. We've had it around for a while, maybe long enough to start to see, you know, people who got it while pregnant or got it before pregnancy. What can you tell about the impact of COVID-19 on pregnancy? It certainly evolved over the last year where initially some of the reports showed maybe COVID, maybe it's not going to be that bad in pregnant women. And, you know, all we really had for comparison was SARS and MERS viruses, which traditionally had been pretty bad in pregnant women. And as we were able to collect more and more data, we found that pregnant women who do become infected and symptomatic with COVID-19 tend to not do as well as their non-pregnant, like same age cohorts. And so it's definitely been interesting taking care of women who have had COVID and recovered, who have been very sick and in the hospital and sort of, you know, just in our societies and, and groups of OBGYNs and maternal fetal medicine specialists, like how can we best manage these patients with such little data on what the risks really are, and can we prevent any of these adverse outcomes or improve them? Hmm. And so do you have any stories about women who've been through COVID and pregnancy? So I fortunately haven't had to take care of anybody very, very sick personally, but I've definitely had a lot of women who have recovered from COVID and just the fear of, you know, like, am I at higher risk of having a stillbirth or am I at higher risk of, you know, X, Y, and Z complication and just the increased monitoring we're doing because we really just don't know. And there's all these anecdotal reports of these um, horrible things. So I just think everybody's anxiety when they're pregnant, especially when they're pregnant is heightened, which adds another complexity to their already complex high-risk care. 
so Lizzie, if if a woman's thinking about getting pregnant during this pandemic, what would you tell her? It's a really nuanced conversation because fertility and getting pregnant, it can be so fragile and so difficult for lots of women. And telling women to delay childbearing because of something that we don't know how long this is going to go on for. I mean, it presumably indefinitely COVID is not going to go away. Hopefully we can control it. And ultimately over time, the, the impact won't be what it is now. So it's really just a conversation with patients as to, you know, what their family plans are, how many children they want, how old they are, have they had infertility struggles, and if it's really, truly the right time for them. And for some women, it is because they've been trying for a very long time and are older. And for some women, delaying having a child for a year is not that big of a deal. So these conversations are, you know, just very individualized. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the vaccine. A day doesn't go by that uh, that I'm not asked about the vaccine in pregnancy. So what's your advice on patients who are either thinking about getting pregnant or are pregnant in the vaccine? So again, this is also, I hate to sound like a broken record, but again, yeah. it's, it's sort of nuanced. So there's, you know, the, the American College of OBGYN, the Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine, you know, the Vaccine Advisory Committee, the CDC, the American Society of Reproductive Medicine, they all suggest... They don't recommend giving it, but they say, they say don't withhold it if a pregnant woman wants it. So again, it's a conversation with, you know, these are the risks that we know, which the, there are very minimal risks and side effects with this vaccine. What we know about mRNA technology and vaccines that's been around for a long time is it doesn't seem to be harmful to pregnant women or harmful to fetuses. And so we do think that ultimately we are going to find that this vaccine is very safe to give pregnant women. And we know COVID is not safe for pregnant women at all. So for most women who have higher risk exposures, the vaccine is probably a good idea, especially right now when cases are so high in this country, um, even though they're coming down a little bit, like the case rates are still high. For women who have the opportunity to stay home and aren't exposed or around other people with high risk conditions or whatnot, then maybe they're not necessarily needing to or willing to take some of that small unknown risk. For the vast majority of people, I think, most of us are recommending that they do get the vaccine if they have any exposure risks. So Lindsay, with the vaccine trials, what do we know from the trials about pregnant women? So unfortunately, pregnant women were excluded from these studies, which makes it very challenging to take care of pregnant women and offer them evidence-based medicine or recommendations because we just don't know. So what we do know is that there were a handful, around 40 patients, but I'm not, don't quote me on the number between both trials that were not pregnant before they got the vaccine that did become pregnant after they received the vaccine. And so far there have been no adverse outcomes in any of those women that received the actual vaccine during the trials and became pregnant but it's it's really a disservice when we exclude pregnant women from these studies because then we have to rely on backwards data on you know did it was there an increased did we see an increase of one thing over another compared to what the general population is rather than randomizing them which is certainly the you know the gold standard for care and you do recommend other vaccines like the flu vaccine to pregnant women. Yep. So we do the, we all pregnant women recommend getting the flu vaccine and they also recommend getting, we recommend they get the pertussis vaccine during pregnancy. And the, the pertussis is mostly for 
neonatal benefit and passive immunity where the antibodies pass through the placenta to the baby. The flu not only protects mom, but also provides some passive immunity. And I'm hoping when we have more data, we'll, maybe we'll find some passive immunity with the COVID vaccine as well. What about breastfeeding? I know that that's changed a little bit over the last eight months. What, what's yeah. your recommendations on that? So I, I think the a breastfeeding relationship between a mother and their child or newborn toddler, you know, however long they're breastfeeding is there's so many benefits to it besides just the breast milk and interrupting that relationship can be very detrimental to very, to a lot of these dyads. So I do recommend that women either continue to breastfeed or breastfeed if they are sick or known to have the virus, like they should wear masks, they should minimize the amount of time they're spending with their baby, make sure they're practicing good hand hygiene, but still having that relationship, I think is very important for both the mom and the baby. And as far as the vaccine goes, what we're anticipating is there can only be benefit from the vaccine. Even if any of the vaccine were to get into the breast milk, which we think is highly unlikely because of how quickly the mRNA is degraded, it would be absorbed and degraded in the neonate's gut or in the baby's you know, GI system. So it wouldn't even become an issue in that regard. And then again, maybe some immunity, some antibodies from breast milk. So I think for breastfeeding women, if they're sick, making sure that they're doing everything they can to prevent transmission. And if they're getting the vaccine to continue nursing through. Yeah. And, you, you know, I can't double down enough on, you know, breast is best. And so we encourage all women to breastfeed yeah. and the vaccine shouldn't be a hindrance to that for sure. And neither should COVID really. We should continue to figure out how to get that relationship going. You know, I was, don't ask, but I was volunteering at a, a long-term term care facility to vaccinate the, the employees a couple of weeks back. And there was this hesitancy and the hesitancy from some of them were based on this article in a blog somewhere that said that the vaccine will impact your fertility, that something about mRNA will impact your fertility. And so people actually came to me and said, can you tell me about, about this? Because I won't get the vaccine. I'm thinking about getting pregnant in the near future. Do you know anything about that? Any risks to, is any, any truth to that rumor? So as far as there is right now, there is no truth to that. It, it is purely a myth. And interestingly, the New York Times published an opinion piece yesterday from a researcher out at Yale. And they, so the, I guess this infertility thing stemmed from is the spike protein particle similar to some protein on the placenta that will over time result in like miscarriage or infertility. And they, they at Yale, I mean, this is not a scientific pu publication, but you know, an opinion piece from one of the researchers that they, they looked at this and it, it just really isn't true. And so I think that these concerns are unfounded in any truth. And it's just a problem that you can put, put anything out on the web and cause all these problems. I don't know what the motivation is. Um, have you gotten the vaccine, Lindsay? I have. How, how did it go for you? Um, fortunately, it actually went fine. I had a sore arm with the first one and I get a sore arm after every vaccine I've had, which I've had a couple pregnancies in the last couple of years. So a lot of pertussis vaccines. <laughs> and then the second vaccine, I again was sore in my arm and my armpit was a little bit swollen and sore, but it like, it felt good. Cause I was like, okay, at least my body, I know there's some immune reaction happening in my lymph nodes there. And they both lasted like a day and a half to two days and I was fine. So yeah, you want to feel a little pain. Right. You want to know it's working. <laughs> and, and I had the same, as I've mentioned on other podcasts, very, very minor reactions. And it's, um, uh, and it's been a couple of weeks since my second dose. And it's, it is, a little, it, as everyone has said, it's a little freeing. How do you feel? 
I did. I like no pun intended or maybe pun intended, but I felt like I could breathe for the first time in a year. Like just kind of took like eight days after that second Pfizer shot. I just took a deep breath and was like, (sighs) yes, we're not going crazy. We're still masking, washing our hands, distancing, but you feel like you light at the end of the tunnel for all of us. Uh, so, Lindsay, uh, we know that uh, the decision to get a vaccine is a personal one uh, with your provider. COVID itself can be dangerous to all of us, obviously, and certainly to pregnant women. Uh, but there are a lot of new treatments that have come out for COVID for all of us. Can you use all of them in pregnancy? What, what, how is the management of a pregnant woman with COVID different than a regular non-pregnant person? That's a great question. And for the most part, the management is really no different, especially when we're dealing with respiratory distress or compromise. The medications that are being used to treat, you know, the immunoglobin infusions and the antiviral medications, those are all fine to use during pregnancy. Truly, the pregnant woman shouldn't be treated any differently when she's sick with COVID just because she's pregnant. So, you know, I'm going to ask you a tough question, and that's something I get asked all the time, I'm sure you are, which is, you know, I'm thinking about getting pregnant, say, in April, it's now, you know, it's now February, almost February, so I got a couple months yet. What can I do? If you wanted to, you know, there's no guarantees, I know, but if you wanted to make the perfect chance for a healthy baby, what would you do? What Give us some of the things you advise your patients or your friends how to, how to give the baby a best chance of being healthy. So most of what makes anybody healthy, like any, you know, any recommendation is going to improve a pregnancy. So if you, you know, have some weight to lose doing some weight loss, even 10%, that like will increase fertility if there's fertility issues and reduce risks of other complications like diabetes and preeclampsia. If you're not an exerciser, just doing 30 minutes of like, Light activity five times a week, that's also been shown to reduce the risk of some of these adverse outcomes in pregnancy. Anybody who's of reproductive age should be taking a prenatal vitamin, which and the reason for that is typically because of the folic acid to prevent neural tube defects. So that's always a good thing to take any modifiable lifestyle things like smoking cigarettes or drug use typically not a good thing to do while you're pregnant or with newborns. So, you know, modifying that kind of lifestyle and other, I mean, otherwise just if you have like chronic health conditions, like diabetes, making sure that's under control. If you're on medications for certain disorders that may not be compatible with pregnancy, like hypertension and being on a ACE inhibitor, switching medications and making sure your blood pressure is controlled on a newer medication. So those are all steps pregnant women can take to, control or improve the outcome of their pregnancy. Uh, Any other advice you want to give during this tough time uh, around women, their babies, and just getting through this together? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's certainly a whirlwind and it, like every day it's, you know, things are changing and better science is coming out. And I think it's important for people to really listen to the medical community, listen to their doctors, really understand what's, actual because it's so easy to get lost in the myths and the misconceptions um, because you can find anything that you want on the internet. So it's important to know your sources and, and have trusted friends, colleagues, providers, so that you're getting accurate information. Yeah, that's great advice. We do have 
questions that come in from our COVID-19 questions at Nemours.org. And one I just wanted to pass by you, which was interesting in that the flu seems to have dropped off the radar a bit. We have record low numbers this year. Uh, will the flu just go away or should we uh, expect a resurgence once people stop wearing masks and social distancing? And what lessons can be learned to continue to reduce flu through COVID once COVID is, is contained? And I'll start off by saying it's very clear that masks work. They, they, they work to prevent spread of illness, certainly COVID, and will work to prevent flu. And it may change how we behave in the wintertime, especially because, and there have been countries that have masks during the wintertime to prevent flu, and it will work. It's all a trade-off. I do want to mention, though, that flu is pretty dangerous for pregnant women, and it's, I think it's been generally unrecognized. So COVID, you can get sick, sicker with through pregnancy than, than uh, when you're not pregnant, and similarly with flu. And so any comments on, you know, just the, you know, pregnant women and flu and, you know, what's your thought about masking through this? Yeah, I, I think that's one of the silver linings of the masking is this reduction in flu because flu, while a lot of people think it's not that big of a deal, like the flu in years past has definitely taken a lot of lives. And it's certainly much more dangerous for pregnant women because of all the respiratory changes they have, and they just don't do as well when they're pregnant than when they're not pregnant. So I think this is great that the flu is so low this year compared to other years, but I don't, I mean, it's not going to go away. And certainly if our behavior goes back to what it was prior to COVID, we'll see flu cases, you know, rise in the next flu season that comes through. Um, so it, you bring up a good point. There are countries that do mask and it brings their flu levels down. And it might be interesting that our behavior or maybe certainly higher risk groups might change in that from October to March, people wear masks when they're out in public or in high crowded you know, arenas to reduce that. And the last thing I'll say too, is that, you know, the flu vaccine is one of the vaccines we recommend all pregnant women get um, while they're pregnant. And it, you know, it's been found in multiple, multiple studies that it is safe and offers both protection to mom. And like I said before, the passive immunity to baby. So thanks so much for your time, Lindsay. Today, we've learned a lot about, you know, women thinking about getting pregnant, breastfeeding and pregnancy and and COVID and, and other things around pregnancy. And, you know, we thank you for all you do and the expertise you bring to us at Nemours and to your patients in, in Central Florida. So thanks so much and um, stay safe. Thanks for having me. Dr. Jay Greenspan is the Nemours Incident Commander for All Things COVID-19 and host of this podcast. He was joined by maternal fetal medicine specialist Dr. Lindsay Maggio from the Nemours Center for Fetal Care in Orlando. And a note, as with all personal health-related matters, please check with your doctor on the best course of action for you when it comes to COVID-19 and pregnancy or really any other health-related matter. Next week, Dr. Greenspan's guest will be Delaware Governor John Carney. They'll talk about the state's response to COVID-19, including the most up-to-date status on vaccine distribution in the first state. Don't miss it. In fact, subscribe to the Nemours Champions for Children podcast right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll never again miss an episode of Champions for Children. You'll also find it available on Nemoursnet and the Nemours Now app and on demand through your favorite smart speaker.
A hearty thank you to the team that puts this podcast together each and every week. Dr. Maureen Leffler, Dr. Jay Greenspan, Sandra Herman, Cheryl Munn, Deborah Griffin, and Peter Adebi. Our music is courtesy of Blue Dot Sessions in Fall River, Massachusetts. On behalf of Dr. Lindsay Maggio and host Dr. Jay Greenspan, I'm Carol Vassar, asking you to please stay safe, stay well, and thanking you for all you do for the children we serve. <laughs>